Well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. Texas Tech beats the number 11 team in the nation on the road, 85-84. We'll talk about the end of that game, or well, really the whole game, but especially those last seven minutes where you come back from nine down to pull this one out and take a look ahead to our matchup with TCU update all the bracketology on where Tech stands, and look forward to what Tech needs to make it to the tournament from here. It seems pretty simple. And then, of course, look around the Big 12 for the coming week, especially with this big game against TCU tonight. So before we get into the OU game, and we got plenty to talk about there, if you can, go ahead and give this one a five-star review. And a rating if you go ahead and send a picture of that review to jacksonmoody37 at gmail.com. We'll go ahead and send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. So this game against OU, I said coming in, this is a game that, while they're number 11 in the nation, you're number 20, and they were they were favorites in this game, not heavy favorites, but favorites, and it was at their home floor. I said that this one stacked up well for you. Stacked up well in the way that stealing a road game. Not that you'd be favored in it. And by the way, OU, bad atmosphere, just lost to Texas normally. And the atmosphere was actually pretty decent in this one, although there were a lot of Texas Tech fans there. So starting off in the first half, um, obviously 17 was not a lucky number for you by any stretch of the imagination. You were stuck on 17 for a while. There was actually a point where OU went on a 21-4 run with three minutes left in the first half, and you're down 30-21. to And one thing about this team, and really Texas Tech as a whole, that I think we just need to accept, scoring droughts are going to come with whoever is coaching at Texas Tech. We had it during Mark Adams. We had it during Chris Beard. Heck, you gave up, what, a 10-0 run, 11-0 run, 12-0 run to Michigan State in the Final Four and still won. But this team, after giving up that 21-4 run, there was a nice alley-oop from Pop Isaacs to Warren Washington. Darian Williams hits a three, and then Joe Toussaint immediately hits a three, and it's a one-point game with two minutes left. And that just completely brings you back into that game. You have a mini 8-0 run right there in about a minute 10 seconds. And then, of course, at the other end, Darian Williams draws a foul. You go into half down one. The second half was a roller coaster. And I will say, Kerwin Walton, when you take a look at the box score, there were, of the starters, five, four of the five saw at least 34 minutes. Kerwin Walton only saw 18 minutes in this game. He went three for three from the field, one for one from three, and had seven total points. And now, obviously, it's defensively, and the fact that Chance McMillan got hot and had 32 minutes in this game is the reason that he didn't see the floor much. But I thought that Kerwin Walton actually made some important plays for you in this game. And then there's some plays that we're going to talk about that's the reason that he didn't see the floor quite as much as he normally does. But he did hit a big three to make it 38-37 with 18 minutes left. And Robert Jennings. So Warren Washington got 35 minutes, which clearly means Robert Jennings got five minutes. Um, Or maybe he got six minutes. Nope, he got five. Uh, But 
there's a reason for that. So he had two points in this game. He had a nice two, and then he was late on a closeout early in the second half, and that's about the rest that you saw with Robert Jennings, which you understand how this team's constructed. It probably won't be constructed quite like this in coming years, but that is a problem with a 6'7 backup center. He couldn't quite get out to the perimeter the length of Warren Washington. they probably make that play. But let's focus on the final nine minutes of this game. So it's six or 58-55, nine minutes to go. Joe Toussaint is completely pickpocketed, and we'll talk about this because Joe Toussaint actually, we'll, we'll, we'll recap it after, but he came up big down the stretch. But he was pickpocketed. Dunk makes a five-point game with nine minutes to go. You take a timeout. OU gets a two right after. And then Kerwin Walton gives up an and one. You're down nine with seven minutes to go. Pop Isaacs drives. You don't get a foul call. Darian Williams finishes it, makes it seven. And then right after that, Chance McMillan hits a three, then draws a three-point play, and automatically you go to the under-four timeout. It's 70-68. He hits the free throw. And then Uzan comes down and just drains a three on you, and it's a four-point game again. But where this game really turned is right after that. Warren Washington, so at the under eight, he gets a nice assist from the perimeter pop, which, by the way, Warren Washington's passing has just been absolutely amazing so far this year to have a big man that can pass like he can. And he finds pop again going inside, and then right after that, McMillan gets aboard, gives it to Pop, drives hard. You're tied at 73 with three minutes to go. And then it's Darian Williams to Joe Toussaint on a very similar play. Pop went through two guys to Toussaint, kind of went through two guys to go make that happen. And you're up by two. And then Soros, of course, hits a three in your face. But by the way, the play right after that, where Pop Isaacs, you set a screen, there's a lot of traffic. He goes with the left hand, and he had a nice left-handed lob to Warren Washington on alley-oop. He had a couple alley-oops to Warren Washington. His passing is looking really good. But he finds Chance McMillan in the corner three, hits at 78-76, and then pretty much from there, the story was free throws in this game. That was the story on why you won this game, your free throws. Because really for the last 40 seconds, you were taking five seconds off the clock and just trading free throws with OU for a good 20-second stretch there. But this team, so far, has been the best free-throw shooting team in the Big 12. They went 16 of 19 today. OU went 15 of 24. OU got five extra free-throw shots, or free-throws, and still made one less than you. And by the way, OU got a very favorable home whistle. You kind of expect that on the road. They got a very favorable home whistle. I thought Grant McCaslin did a good job of calling a timeout and chewing the refs out in the first half. That got you a couple ticky-tack fouls. But really, for the last 10 minutes of this game, OU was in the bonus there. But one thing about this team, aside from the free throws, they have just... I mean, it is a team that fights to the end. This isn't quite... when This is not what you've seen from last year's team. But this is a team that fights to the bitter end, and they give up big runs. It happened against K-State. Obviously, it happened against Houston. It happened against BYU. But then they're able to get a mini 8-0 run and just get right back in this game. Overall, just grading the players out. Pop Isaacs, 
He went four for or eleven from the field. He hit one three that came in the first minute of the game. I believe it was your first bucket. He had eighteen points, but he had four assists. He looked really good. He he made some really nice assists. I I mean, just thinking two of them or three of them off the top of my head, two alley oops, and that really nice left handed pass to Chance McMillan in the corner. Joe Toussaint really struggled for you early. Really struggled for you early. He had 14 points. He was 5 of 11 from the field. Turned the ball over four times. Got six assists. But he came up big down the stretch, which is really good after a bad game against Houston. Then another bad game against BYU that you can get him going a bit. Warren Washington, absolutely a force. He is actually having... It seems like him and Pop Isaacs have some really good chemistry going out there. He got seven boards, two assists, both of them to Pop Isaacs, both coming from the perimeter and finding Pop cutting to the basket. Kerwin Walton, um, so we'll talk about him defensively here. And this is one thing that kind of happened, and it was early in the second half, but him and Warren Washington both went to close out a three, and it ended up being an easy two. I think he's... He's gotten better defensively, but he still struggles a bit in that area. And part of the reason he didn't play a ton which was Chance McMillan got hot, and they kind of alternate three there. Darian Williams, 2 of 10 from the field, but he did a good job drawing some fouls. Got to the free throw stripe a couple times, hit three of them, um, and had a nice assist there to Joe Toussaint. Got a good board. Um, Chance McMillan. He was the star of the show. 10 of 13 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3. And by the way, 8 boards. That ties a career high for it. May have set a career high, but at least ties it in boards. And he only got to the free throw stripe once. It was a 3-point play. 27 points in 32 minutes. He's the newcomer of the week. He hit 6 threes. And one thing I keep hearing. One thing I keep hearing is that this team is too reliant on Pop Isaacs, which I got to say, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Now, you certainly, it certainly helps to have Pop Isaacs going. But, this team can win even when Pop Isaacs doesn't have a great game. I mean, Joe Toussaint did not have a great game against BYU. If he steps up, you don't quite need Pop Isaacs to be who he is. Or you have Chance McMillan to step up. Or Kerwin Walton, he only got 18 minutes today, but he was efficient from the field. 3-for-3, three three, hit a big 3 for you early in the second half to really keep you in that game. You have Darian Williams, who struggled offensively and was still able to win. I don't think this is a team that is just relying on Pop Isaacs by any stretch of the imagination. And then Robert Jennings. So, what we talked about on that closeout, he gets a nice bucket for you, and... I think Robert Jennings has certainly flashed for you this year. He's been a good backup center. I wouldn't mind even seeing him get a little bit more time. But I think that what you're trying to do with having Warren Washington come out some, which, by the way, he was matched up with Sam Godwin a lot for OU and more than help, or didn't hold his own. He beat him in that matchup. But I think that Robert Jennings he still struggles a bit down low and you do lose something by having a six, seven center out there overall really good game for text tech. Um, this was a huge win right now. I said this last week, if you got this win, you got to get one in Stillwater, Morgantown or Orlando. And then you got to go three and three at home the rest of the way. 
that is more than doable. That's all they need to make the tournament. Maybe you want one more just to make sure. But this team right now certainly looking like a tournament team. Uh, they're coming anywhere between the four and six line. ESPN, Joe Lenardi. Man, how do you lock yourself in the basement to watch college basketball? And you're that bad at bracketology. I mean, he is always ranked somewhere in the 50s, a bracketologist. But he's been doing this 30 years, and his big thing is in 08, he guessed every team in the field, right? And that's what he pretty much does with a guess. He has, yeah, the seventh seed. You're not you're not a seventh seed at the moment. You're the number 15 team in the nation. You have two good road wins. You're not a seventh seed. But looking forward, the tournament should be a minimum for this team. So then you start to question seeding. And I got to say, y'all can disagree with this if you want. I would rather be a six seed in the South Regional than a four seed elsewhere. I like any chance that you can be to be in that three six line, even if it's as a six seed. I know that means a tougher second round matchup. But you also got to think about this Purdue is going to be playing their regional in Chicago. They're going to be a one seed. UConn, likely a one seed. They're going to be in the East. Houston certainly looks like a one seed right now. They're going to be in Dallas. If you're a top four seed, they try to avoid having two top four seeds in the same regional from the same conference. So if you're the four seed, not only do you have to play the one seed in the Sweet 16, but you wouldn't be in Dallas. That's why I look, I'm not going to complain if we're a three seed, four seed, five seed. I would almost rather be a six seed and take our chances with going to Dallas, not having to worry about Houston as a protected seed, and getting a three seed in the second round to go play a sweet 16 in Dallas against a two seed instead of a one seed. I think that is the best draw Texas Tech could get. And now, the three seed is certainly still on the table. I would love that. But slightly more realistically, I think that you're hoping that you end up as a six seed. I think that gives you the best path come tournament time. Now, turning the page, and well, let's look around the Big 12, and we'll finish on TCU Baylor. Cincinnati, there was actually a moment where UCF had a double-digit lead going in the second half against Cincinnati. There was a moment that it looked like you were 20 minutes away from being seven games into the conference slate. And UCF would have been tied with Kansas and ahead of Baylor. But they choke. Cincinnati keeps their tournament hopes alive. Texas falls at BYU. Which, by the way, the horns down thing. I get it's the BYU thing. They had them take the shirts off. But, man, their coach, Mark Pope, er, using the end of his press conference to not quite rip into the students, but make a statement that that's not who they are, that was soft. West Virginia falls to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State finally gets a win, 70-66. to Iowa State beats Kansas, and I got to say, I know the Heartland College Sports account tweeted out that was a weak court storm. Look, um, Iowa State was favored in this game. Um, I think it's kind of weird if it's court storm when you're favored. I remember when I was a sophomore and we court stormed against West Virginia, and it was like, well, I mean, we were favorites in that game, so I don't know if we quite needed to do that. But 
I also don't have a problem with it. I think what Tech does with going onto the court after the games is the best way to do it. Then Houston just demolishes Kansas State at home. Houston also beat Texas last night as well in overtime, which, by the way, that was just a great game. And Houston, I don't know what they're going to look like come tournament time because they're 4-0 in neutral side games, but they're 2-2 and in row games. And now... Three of their neutral site wins are against decent teams in Dayton, Utah, and AM, but they have no huge neutral site wins. I think Kansas City is going to be really fun to watch them in. You're going to see a lot of, you're going to learn a lot about what they're going to do in March Madness in Kansas City. And then, of course, we got to talk about TCU Baylor and the absolute gift that you got on just two days' rest. Emmanuel Miller. Played 53 minutes for TCU. Micah Peavy played 37. Tennyson played 32. Uh, Nelson, Jameer Nelson, came off the bench and got 42 minutes. He played more than an entire basketball game coming off the bench. I think going into this TCU game, this is probably the best opportunity. This is the best you could have hoped for. Them getting a late win against Baylor. In triple overtime, emotional win at their arch rivals. I think this sets up really well for you. And I still think this TCU team is a bit hit or miss. Because now, they got this big win against Baylor. They lost to Iowa State, turning the ball over 27 times. They lost at Cincinnati. Nothing bad. No bad losses. Lost at Kansas. But they really struggled in that game in Stillwater. They came back from a double-digit deficit. I've been correct on every Tech prediction so far this season. I think Tech gets it done again today, or tonight, against TCU. And this is one that, if you win it, you're back in first in the Big 12. If you lose it, you know, it's not even one of the ones that you had chalked up for making the tournament. It's The spread's four and a half. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with free throws at the end of the game. But if we are down at the end of the game... I want to be fouling Micah Peavy. He still struggles shooting free throws. If we're down at the end of this game, there's nobody I want to foul more than Micah Peavy in this one. Well, except Uday, of course, but you always want to foul the big man. Now, just looking around the Big 12 for the rest of the week, obviously Texas has fell in overtime to Houston, which I know a Houston win would have meant more for our Big 12 title hopes. I'm still not there yet that I think this team's a Big 12 title contender. Now, if we end up losing by a game, you you can blame me for rooting for Houston in that one. Completely fair. But what I'm looking at for Texas Tech is can we finish top four in this league? I do think that Iowa State's going to pass us. I think Houston's going to pass us. But if we could get the three seed in the Big 12 tournament, which, by the way, you have a game and a half on Kansas, and you got them at home. I really like your chances to possibly get a three seed. And just for the viewing experience, if you get a three seed, you're playing in the evening on Thursday night. You're straight there, straight to the quarterfinals. There hasn't been a Big 12 team that has won the tournament, Big 12 tournament since you went to twelve te- or 10 teams while having to play four games in four days. I don't think that we're going to see a Kemba Walker 2011 type thing when you win five games in five days or even four games in four days so i would really like for them to be a three seed but 
looking around the Big 12, OU plays at Kansas State. That is a must win for Kansas State. Uh, this team, look, they're back down to 3-3 three and three in conference play. They kind of had an easy start to the year. This feels like a must win for Kansas State. And by the way, if OU loses this one, that OU team is really going to be tumbling and you could see them back on the bubble before year's end. Oklahoma State goes to Kansas. Uh, may God help them in that one. Baylor goes to UCF. UCF probably just about out of the bubble conversation. I don't think they were ever quite on it, but probably just about out of it. And then also Wednesday night, Cincinnati going to West Virginia. That's a must win for Cincinnati. And that is a tough one. Cincinnati right now sitting just outside the bubble. They really need to get this win against West Virginia or else that is going to look like a damaging loss come Selection Sunday. But that's going to do it for this one. We will be back after the game tomorrow. So a bit shorter of a one, t- one today. And then we'll go ahead and talk about our game against TCU tomorrow night.